Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hi everyone, welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 146. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. If it is your first episode, welcome. So happy to have you. And if you've been listening, thank you so much for coming on back to the show. And the first thing I want to do is apologize for last week's episode. I don't know what happened. I recorded that audio, you know, talking about our our trip to Tennessee, kind of recapping and going over that. And I did everything the way I always do. Everything seemed totally fine. I published the episode. I I saw that, you know, people were listening to it. And then I woke up in the morning. I, I always I always put put out the episode at like midnight um the the night before so when I woke up that morning I had a message from somebody that was like Megan I tried to listen to the episode and it it has no sound (laughs) and I was like oh okay and at first I'm like okay maybe this is just like an individual thing well then I realized that I actually had several more messages if you ever send me like a Facebook message or a DM and I don't get to it right away first of all I apologize but second of all there it's very confusing they go into like a different folder and I oftentimes just forget to check that folder so people that have sent me messages before like those pop up like pretty much right away um but yeah when they go into like the other folder or whatever I I I don't usually see them right away um but then I found that I had some more messages from people saying hey I'm trying to listen to this episode and it is silent so I don't know what happened I went back and even listened to like the original audio that I recorded which also has no sound like the time is ticking as if it's playing but there is there is just no sound so I I wish I knew what I did because I don't ever want to do that again but unfortunately I don't have all the answers um so yes I apologize anyone who listened to that that first audio if you still have not been able to hear the I did re-record and I put up a whole new episode that actually works that you can listen to and actually hear um if you have not been able to listen to that one yet Two things, if you, first of all, delete, like remove the download of that first episode, then you should be able to re-download the new episode with sound. But if you're still having trouble, send me a, a DM or a message or an email, and I can just send you the direct link to the one that actually works. Um, so again, very sorry for that little snafu, you know. It happens again. I hope it never happens again. <laughs> um, but I do want to say to everyone who did listen, I am so happy because I've heard from so many of you saying that after listening to really the last couple weeks, um, kind of talk about like gearing up for our trip and then recapping our vacation in Tennessee. So many of you have said, I am going to plan the trip now. We're going to take a family vacation. Like I, that, that kind of gave you like the boost you needed to, to plan the trip, which truly that was like my intention with doing these last couple episodes because it's something that it really is um it's something I feel so strongly about that like taking that time just as a family doing things together even if it does you know look a little different or you've got to do things differently than you know your neighbor down the street or whatever it's like it's it really is so important and I just think it's so worth it um yeah so everyone who has shared with me that they are planning their own family vacations I'm so so happy to hear that keep telling me I love that I like I said even if I don't get back to you right away I always love getting your messages I love hearing from you guys thank you so much for all the love and support you give the show always I'll just put this in at the top I usually say it at the end but if you are enjoying the show and you would be so kind to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, that really does help other people to find the show and then we can just like keep sharing the love or if you're listening and you're enjoying the episode take a screenshot post it on your social media like share it to your stories tag me I love seeing those and truly I just appreciate you guys so so much so 
that's all my little intro. Today, I'm super excited because we're kind of getting back to basics. I have an interview episode. Super exciting. My guest today is Nicole. She is a autism mom and she's also an author and she's just amazing. We talk all about her, her journey with her son, which is kind of unique and this comes up on the episode there's things that we we talk about in this episode that have been kind of touched on before but I feel like Nicole and I really get to kind of expand on those things um and we really just had like such a, a great chat she's like so easy to talk to and she's amazing and I'm super excited about her book so I know you guys will enjoy listening so without further ado here is my conversation with Nicole Hi, Nicole. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. Hi. Thank you for having me, Megan. Thank you so much for being here. I was just kind of chatting with you a little bit before we started. I'm really excited to hear your story because you've given me a little bit of the the background and kind of details. And it sounds like a really amazing journey that you guys have had. So if you will kind of take us back to the beginning and what that looked like for you, I would love to hear. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It, a journey is a is a really good word for mm. it. Um, my son, um, who's actually now 16, um, he was diagnosed with high functioning autism or at the time it was Asperger's. And then really the diagnosis was autism because it was right before the, um, the criteria or the diagnosis changed several mm. years ago now. But he was diagnosed after he started eloping from his school and having explosive behaviors. And he really, he really was so dysregulated that they just couldn't educate him in a, in a typical public school system at the time. And so we ended up educating him at home for almost a year, uh, bringing in professionals and getting, finally getting an autism diagnosis. And our story actually started when he was three or even a little bit before then he was, uh, he was verbal and he was, you know, progressing within the realms of developmentally appropriate, hitting all the milestones and things like that. But his language was a little bit delayed. And Jack was or is still the fourth of, um, you know, four, four sons. So his brothers, you know, he would grunt, he would point, he would, you know, push somebody towards whatever he wanted and he would communicate that way. And we just kind of chalked it up to, you know, well, he's the fourth son, you know, everyone kind of anticipates what his needs are. And to be honest, I was a pretty busy mom. <laughs> so we kind of let things go for a little bit. And then he was about, he was almost three years old. And I just couldn't, I couldn't, you know, make the whole, like the excuses weren't really adding up anymore. Like he, mm -hmm. he really should have been more more advanced than he was in his developmental, um, in the de developmental aspect of his language. And, um, so we ended up getting him evaluated. He, he was almost too, he was really on the cusp of three. So I actually waited till right after his third birthday, had him evaluated through the public school system. And he did, um, he did get a diagnosis of a speech and language delay. So then we started from there and, you know, from there, he ended up, you know, getting services through the school. And then we also get, we also put him in his services uh, with a, we accessed our insurance and did that. And um, so he was kind of double dipping a little bit, which was great. It, he was making a lot of progress, but there were other areas that were popping up. You know, he ended up getting diagnosed with ADHD. He got diagnosed with sensory processing disorder um, in, in a, and his, um, his reading skills in first grade were, were not where they should have been for someone his age. Uh, and later on, much later on, a couple of years later, um, we figured out he had dyslexia. So when his behaviors were popping up in the first grade, we didn't realize that he had autism and all these other diagnoses were really not the underlying issue with what was going on with his behavior, you know, so we, his teachers were very reactive. They didn't really know how to, to rein him in. Uh, things were happening really fast for him. And uh, he was really just so dysregulated. 
so when we ended up, you know, Jack ended up running out of the school in March of 2012, and we he didn't return to the public school system for over about a year um, after that, or a little less than a year after that. And we ended up educating him at home with some professionals. We ended up getting a BCBA on board, which was really instrumental in helping him um, get his behaviors in check. And we had a fantastic OT that helped us with the sensory piece because we didn't know how to do that and what a sensory diet was or um, how to read him and know when he was becoming dysregulated. So we really had to learn so much about Jack and being the fourth son, I, you know, I had other children, but it was like, I was learning, I was relearning how to parent mm-hmm. over again because he had specific needs that I needed to uh, learn how to, how to address. And so, yeah, it's been quite a journey with him. He's, um, he ended up going back into the school system about nine months or so after he eloped and was suspended and they transitioned him in with his team of professionals that were working with him at, in our home and that worked for a while and he did great and then they faded support and then his behaviors started to rise again mm. and we realized this was probably not the best environment for him to be successful and there were some things happening within the school district too. They were redistricting and the school, one school was shutting down. And so there was a lot of upheaval within the system that just wasn't going to make it a smooth transition as well. So we, with the, the team and we decided that an outplacement was the best, would best suit him. So he's been, you know, he's in a small community now and, or smaller community and he's doing fantastic. He's been there for several years. He's had no, no recent behaviors, like a, a few years, no recent behaviors at all. And he's regulated and he's feeling good. And he's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to be able to watch him be successful and have friends and be a part of a community uh, coming from, you know, seven, eight years ago, I guess eight years ago. Um, when he was clearing desks and swearing at teachers and running from the building. So yeah, it's been quite a journey. Wow. I I have so many questions. (laughs) (laughs) Listening to that. First of all, I think it's really interesting anytime. I I mean, I, I, I find birth order fascinating regardless of, you know, special needs or not. I just always think it's interesting how it's like we kind of take on these roles like within our families Um, and especially like you were saying, you, you had already had three, three boys. I didn't know that you had four boys. That is, you are a a superhero mama. (laughs) Number one. Um, but something that I talk a lot about is, you know, Logan is my oldest child. So I always talk about how, when he was, you know, growing and developing his development kind of was my quote unquote norm, because it was just like what I was introduced to motherhood with. So then mm. with, with my two daughters now who are typical, I always joke that they're like unicorns to me because it's like they just like do stuff like I don't really teach them. They just like figure <laughs> out how to do stuff. And it's in some ways like Logan's still the norm to me because it's just like how I was, you know, first kind of introduced to all this stuff. What was that like for you, though, as a mom, like you said, kind of realizing, OK, things are a little bit different. And I like how you had said, like, I couldn't ignore it anymore. Do you think you were like in denial or ignoring and what was like the catalyst to really push you out of that? Yeah, it was really interesting because, you know, I I knew, I knew as we were approaching three, I'm like, okay, this is not typical. This is not, because I also was a preschool teacher too. And I, and so I understood that, you know, having a background in, in, you know, early childhood education, like you know, there's, there's a kids develop differently at different times. And Mm -hmm. if they're, if they're really focused on their large motor skills, then they're not going to be working on their language skills. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so they're, but then as I got to three, I was like, you know, there, there's something that's not, not typical. Um, So I was glad that I did, you know, and there was people around me too, like, you know, 
my family and things like that was like, oh, you know, he's probably fine. He's probably, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think some of that, I, I was like, all right, well, I'll just wait. You know what I mean? Like, cause you don't want to hear that your child isn't typical either. Right. Mm -hmm. Like nobody wants to hear that your kid is not developing as they should. And, um, you know, so I think that's really what happened. And then once we got him diagnosed with the speech and language delay, and I could see him within the, he was in an integrated preschool program. So they had typical peers and then they had kids that needed that were getting services on an IEP or, um, you know, kids that needed just a, there, we were, they were monitoring to see if they would need to be put on an IEP. Um, so Jack attended that for three years. And during that time, you know, they would tell me, oh, well, you know, he hides up in the, they had a little loft in their classroom. Like, so he'd come in and they'd have to like prompt him to sign in, you know, like to put his little name on the tree to say mm -hmm. that he was here, like everything he needed a little bit more support and he was a little scattered and then he'd hide when they were doing circle and, you know, that attention seeking behavior. And it was just really interesting. I kept thinking, you know, we'd have meetings with the preschool teacher and then after that, the kindergarten teacher, and then after that, the first grade teacher, and we'd be at IEP meetings. So we had these meetings, these yearly meetings with um, staff, professionals, and I kept saying, you know, another diagnosis would come, whether we did it ourselves or like, you know, we took them to a neuropsychologist, we paid for that ourselves. And, or if there was testing done within the school, there just seemed to be, not, it wasn't flushed out. And I kept thinking, you know, there, there feels like there's more, like, it's not just ADHD. It's mm -hmm. not just sensory processing, processing. It's not just, you know, a speech and language delay. There's something else. And I just had this intuitive, you know, hit. I knew that there was something more, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And I, and I would sit, I remember going to a, um, a talk. There was a, an, a talk, a neurologist came to our town uh, through, it was sponsored by a, a local hospital, and he did a talk on autism and neurological uh, delays and things like that. And I remember sitting in the audience next to a woman that I knew that her child was diagnosed on the autism spectrum. And, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah, no, that it just, it didn't quite fit. And it didn't quite like my, my idea of what autism looked like, because he was super verbal. He was, you know, like once he, you know, got, got, got some help with that, but he was super verbal. He wanted to be the boss. He was the mayor, you know, of his classroom. He was super, <laughs> you know, really engaging. So he was like the bossy kid on the playground. So I thought, well, if he had autism, wouldn't he like be in his own little world? Wouldn't he not want to be with kids? Wouldn't he not, you know, think it was funny to run away and have people chase him? Like, so I, I just didn't know. I had no yeah. idea that the spectrum meant that kids could be nonverbal, but yet on the other side of that, then they're super bossy and rigid and, you know, how to have it their way. And, and so I was like, oh, like light dawned when I finally understood after his diagnosis, like, oh, oh my gosh, I missed it. <laughs> so then I felt like <laughs> terrible, right? Like I was like, I knew, I knew there was something and I just didn't understand. And, you know, so Jack was diagnosed eight, he, he was diagnosed in 2012. So almost, so 10, almost 10 years ago, so nine years ago. And so, you know, even nine years ago, you know, it, it doesn't seem like that long, but it kind of is in terms mm -hmm. of what we understand about autism and, and the information getting out there and even professionals understanding what it looks like and the subtleties of it, I think has come a long way. But I also think there's, there's more, there's more education to be had too, which is why I put this book out. So I think that, um, yeah, I don't know if that, <laughs> hopefully that answered your question. I kind of rambled on. No, no, it <laughs> totally does. And it's funny because I, I can relate so much to how you were saying, seeing him in a classroom, you know, even with other kids who, you know, had 
whatever the diagnosis is and realized that he still needed more support. Cause I had almost that exact same experience with Logan when he first started preschool, I went to like sit in on one of his classes and just like how you were saying, like they would kind of sign in. They had like these little popsicle sticks that had their pictures on it. And everybody who was there that day would come up and take their popsicle stick and like put it on the little board while they were doing their circle time. And his classroom, it was like a special education uh, preschool through our district. And I remember watching like all the kids go up and even those that had like physical impairments, like there was all different. It, it, it wasn't like strictly autism. It was just special education overall. And then there were kids that were, you know, they needed some support, but then it was Logan's turn and it was like, he needed so much support and he needed to be really like coaxed to go up there to put his little popsicle stick in. And I just remember like sitting in that classroom and it was like, my head was spinning and I'm like, oh my gosh, like we are just not in Kansas anymore because I <laughs> up until that point had really, like you said, I was like, well, he's really got this speech delay and they were saying global delay for him. So he had like some fine motor, not really anything physical, but we, I just thought we were dealing with some delays, but it was like at that moment, it kind of like shifted for me. And I was like, something else is going on here for sure. Um, so I can totally relate to what you were saying there, but also I think it's interesting. Like you said, even though like nine years ago, it doesn't sound that long ago. I agree with you. I think so much has changed because even in the four years since Logan was diagnosed, I think so much has changed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like we're just constantly advancing. And like you said, um, doctors and specialists are just kind of learning more of the nuances because for so long it was, this image of autism was the kid like in their own world. And although I was thinking when you said he would go like climb up in the loft, like that was probably him kind of like, like trying to get away from like all the, the chaos of this classroom. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that was definitely part of it too, but he also liked uh, seeking attention. Mm. So for him, he was like, well, if I run up here, then they're going to come and get me. So it was just, but he didn't, he didn't take the, the social cues. He had no idea, like everybody else is sitting, you know, in the circle waiting and he's up in the loft, you know, Mm -hmm. not, not understanding. And like, so it wasn't just, oh, it happened one or two days. It happened months. Like they, (laughs) it wasn't just a fluke thing. Yeah. The other thing you were saying that I find really interesting, and I, I would love to talk about a little more, um, and it's come up before on this show, but I don't think I've had this conversation with somebody who, like, I know you said that he initially was diagnosed with Asperger's. And again, Asperger's is, I was literally just talking to a listener about this, that it's like Asperger's is not um, recognized anymore, like as a, a diagnosis. And it's all just under the, the spectrum or the, under the umbrella of autism spectrum disorder. But this listener was saying to me how she's like, I, I don't necessarily feel like I fit into like either world because her, her kiddo is more like quote unquote high functioning. And she's like, I feel like we can do things in a typical way. And then we try those things and it doesn't work out. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I guess we can't do things in a typical way. But what I thought was interesting about what you were saying is how, you know, having your son in a, like a out of district placement was really the best thing for him. And that's something that we had to learn also. Um, Logan is in like, it sounds like a similar kind of a situation as to your son. It's actually a co-op, but it's like a smaller classroom. His classroom is specifically all kids with autism and they use um, ABA principles like inside the classroom. It's not an ABA school, but it's, it's, they use the principles of ABA and it works really well for him and he loves it. And that's been something for me that has been, I've never questioned it because I, I see how well he's doing and we honestly love the program so much, but I do sometimes get questions from other people because as much as I am an advocate for inclusion, I do think sometimes there is just certain situations where it's like self-contained really is the best situation. And you really just have to look at each kid individually. What was that like for you? And have you had any pushback or even just like internally thinking about having him self-contained versus like in an inclusive environment? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there, there have been numerous conversations about placement. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Jack, you know, he's done so, so well where he's at, but looking at, you know, cause he just went into a high school program. So he, he went, so he was at this 
the school where it was a middle school kind of situation Mm -hmm. um, from fourth grade until eighth grade. He was in this kind of, you know, this, this little container of, you know, this program and it was great. And his, his peers had either high functioning autism, anxiety, um, or, um, what was the other one? High, uh, ADHD. Mm-hmm. And so that that was basically his makeup of his classroom, which, you know, my son had all of those things. So, mm-hmm. um, so many, many kids do many kids do. So, uh, they were definitely his peers and he did really, really well. And so we thought, well, what about high school? Where do we go from here? Because he's doing so well and maybe he could go into a different setting, a more inclusive setting, because ultimately that's, the real world. The real world is a inclusive setting, or we like to think it, it is, right? Yeah. So um, so we looked around. And, and unfortunately, I mean, we have some great schools where we are. Um, we live in uh, Massachusetts. We have some great schools. But unfortunately, there isn't any in between. Mm-hmm. So my, my, you know, where we are located, my dream would be a smaller setting that was also inclusive, that had typical peers and peers that needed more assistance mm-hmm. or support. There isn't any, it isn't here. <laughs> so, um, and then a, like a typical high school, they do have support rooms, you know, like um, resource rooms or whatever, whatever the language is for that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so that was an option. But then just to look at the scope of the high school, the hallways are super noisy. There's yeah. so much going on. You know, my kid has sensory, you know, he has some sensory stuff. So that would be really draining and overwhelming for him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I I hope someday there'll be, a you know, education will shift a little bit and we'll find more middle ground to be able to have opportunities for kids that are high functioning. And actually Jack was, when he was diagnosed, they were changing the DSM five. I think that's the right word, but Mm -hmm. um, so he, his, his official diagnosis is autism, but he identifies as Asperger's because he felt that was more reflective of how he feels about himself or how, how he presents in the world. But even that, He's not, he's not like textbook, if anything is textbook mm-hmm. and autism, <laughs> but he's not classic what you'd think of Asperger's either. Mm-hmm. So I, I say he's more like high functioning autism. I hate all these labels, to be honest, but if, if that gives listeners, uh, you know, kind of a, 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 a you know, like a, a frame of reference. I know it's, it's so hard to like. I have a hard time with with Logan too because that's always like one of the first things when I meet new people when I tell them oh my son has autism they'll almost always say oh is he like high functioning (laughs) (laughs) and the truth is like Logan is not high functioning and I don't say that in in a bad way at all I know some people will say they use like the term like severe nonverbal autism which I guess if you were going to put him in a category that's the category he would be in but I never say that (laughs) I always am just like he, no, he's, he needs a lot of support, but you know, he's doing great. He's a great kid. Like I, I just hate, but sometimes in the context of like the show, especially when we're talking about things and just trying to like give some background, the labels do come up and it's like, you can't, you can't really help it. Yeah. How you're kind of like explaining your kiddo. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think it's really interesting. Like you said, you know, there, there isn't a lot of common ground. I hear that a lot from parents. It seems like there's just like, you know, this like mainstream route or then like the self-contained route and just like so little in between. Um, again, I think we are super lucky because the co-op that Logan is in, it the, the program is housed in a like typical school setting. Mm-hmm. So even though his classroom is self-contained, he does get pulled in for inclusion with his typical peers so he'll do like gym class with them or music class so we're again I just the more the longer I do the show the more people I talk to the more lucky I feel for this program and I'm like (laughs) we are never going anywhere we are staying here (laughs) because it'll grow with him like they have a middle school and a high school and a after you know high school program um and we're just like 
like I said, super, super happy with it, but it makes me sad when I talk to other people. Cause I know that that's not the norm and I wish it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do feel really lucky where he has landed and we feel yeah. like the program is really great. Um, but yeah, it, it does. It did for a long time make me, you know, like scour like the area, like, well, what do they offer? And what is, you know, cause you want your kid to be challenged as well. You know, you yeah. want the opportunity for them to get pushed to grow into more independence. And so we're just going to be making that where he's at and that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. but it is, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, um, it's one of the things that I never thought that I'd have to think about. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you said that though, because I think it's really important for parents to hear that, especially parents with young kiddos. And a lot of people listening do have young kids because I think everyone has this idea in their mind that, especially now, because I feel like inclusion is such like a hot button word that mm-hmm. everyone's like, you know, we want inclusive, we want mainstream. And as, as much as like, I think for some kids, that's great. And I do think is, is helpful for you know, even like the typical kids to be exposed to that and just like growing up alongside kids, you know, with special needs, I think is a really beautiful thing. But again, to me, it always just comes back to what is the best thing for the child? And are we meeting them where they're at? Right, exactly. And to be honest, you know, as we're heading into high school, and then this last year with COVID, you know, my son went to school every day. Mm Mm-hmm you know, because his program was so, you know, on the smaller side, they weren't, it wasn't like an every other day or four days a week or whatever. He went every day. He had a very consistent routine and they were able to keep that in a smaller setting. And I really think it's a, it's been, it's been very, very good for him to be around kids that are like him. Yes. I totally agree. You know, so then he feels like it's really normalized his, anxiety or his um, struggles with social cues. You know what I mean? Like it's really, you know, looking back on that, I remember when we pulled him out the second time out of public schools, I was so devastated. You know, he was going into fourth grade. I was so devastated because I didn't want him to feel like he failed. And to be honest, it just, it wasn't, it had nothing to do with he did great. It was the system really that failed him right. because it couldn't support him in a way that he needed to be supported. Mm-hmm. And everybody did the best they could. You know, like there was, there's no animosity. Everybody did the best they could and everyone really tried to roll up their sleeves and get in there and, and do what they could for him in, in, in a, you know, a, a typical setting. But it just wasn't, it wasn't what he needed. And I think it took me it took me several months to, to write that within myself and not feel, I don't know, not feel so extremely sad or devastated or worried or, you know, and that it was okay. It was okay that he was going to have a different education than his brothers or the neighbor down the street, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe just maybe, that really was the best thing. And it really has been. So. Absolutely. I think especially how you said him being with his peers and other kids like him, I think, especially at that, the age that he's at now, I think, I think back on, you know, that time for myself and I think for typical kids, regardless of, you know, special needs or not, that is such like a tough time and everybody feels kind of like a fish out of water and like, you don't quite fit in. But I can only imagine what it would be like to, you know, be surrounded by your typical peers and feeling like an like an outsider. You know what I mean? Right. To be be with his his peers and other kids who, you know, have the same kind of quirks and maybe a similar diagnosis as as he does. I'm sure that is probably I would imagine like really comforting for him. Yeah. And and because he you know, he's he's been in the the program a long time and he's had a lot of interventions, a lot of, you know, group and therapy and things like that. Like he really knows who he is and he has been able to be in a position where he's a mentor to other students. So for him, like if he was in a regular setting, a public high school setting, that's not where he'd be. Mm -hmm. He would not be a mentor. He would be the kid that's kind of weird. You know what I mean? Like he would be, 
and I don't mean that in a, in a, in a bad way. Like, no, I, I understand. I, I think he's, I think he's fantastic and I am all about weird. Okay. But <laughs> I think that when you look at a typical high school, you're looking at there's a you know what a typical high school is, right? Mm-hmm. We all we all lived through it, and um, you know, so he he really is kind of getting out of that um, that circle, and he's really been able to shine and show people what he's really made of, and I think that is really beautiful, and that really, you know, I, I hope that this message of don't knock it. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, it could be a really good thing for other people's kids too. Cause I, I I know I was feeling so heavy that gosh, I really wanted a different experience for him, but I, I'm so grateful that he ended up where he's at. Absolutely. I, that's amazing that he's a mentor. I bet that that gives him like so much confidence too, you know? Oh yeah. He loves it. He, mm-hmm. he absolutely loves it. And, um, it makes him feel really good and he has lots of friends and, you know, during times when they're not, you know, like break times or whatever, he's like, mom, he's like, I, he's like, so-and-so wanted to play chess with me, but then I, he would get stressed because he couldn't get to everybody that wanted to hang with him, which is really very sweet. You know so what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I know, right? Love it. Yeah. But you know, it's, there's just such a nice community there of, um, of students. So yeah, he, they're all very lucky. It sounds amazing. He sounds like such an awesome kid too. You had said that in, especially in the beginning, he was really dysregulated and you guys were having to figure out, you know, ways to just help him. And you had said sensory diet. How has that changed now that he's 16? I love hearing from people with older kiddos. Cause I feel like it's like a, a little glimpse into my future. What does that look like for him now in terms of like, does he still have a sensory diet? How does he regulate himself? How do you help him regulate? Yeah, it's interesting because um, it's, you know, obviously it's, it's morphed over time, you know, like when we started, he had a tent and a weighted blanket and a bag of books and some Mm -hmm. squishy items. You know what I mean? Like he still has fidgets sometimes. I think in his classroom, I think he has a couple things in his desk. So he does, but they look like, you know, like erasers or, you know, like a toy that, you know, as a little figure that, you mm-hmm. know, like it's doesn't even in a typical classroom, it probably wouldn't look weird, you know? Yeah. Um, but he, right now he goes on, you know, he, he walks, he does exercise that really has helped him. Um, since COVID happened, we haven't been going to the, the gym, but for a couple years, as he got into middle school, he was working out, he was doing the the treadmill and lifting weights and stuff like that to help give him uh, input and pressure because that's, mm-hmm. that's my kiddo. Um, he doesn't, uh, you know, he's kind of like a tank with feet. Like when he was little, he'd like just plow through things and the crash pad was a big deal and he'd crash into the side of my leg. Um, you know, there was a lot of crashing happening mm-hmm. um, in our house, but um, yeah, so he just didn't having, having like pressure is really, helps him know where he is on the, on the planet. You know what I mean? It helps him feel grounded. And, and so he still has a weighted blanket. He still pretty much has it every night, even in the summer, he, mm-hmm. he has a weighted blanket and he also, um, he has a, you know, some little personal items like a blanket that he sleeps with that it smells good to him, mm-hmm. you know? So he has that, like, you know, that sense of smell that, um, he finds comforting. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting that that's still, that's still there because when he was, when he was little, he used to sniff me all the time. I don't know if this is a, a, a thing that other moms have gone through, but literally he'd come up to me and like sniff my clothes or sniff my hair and that would help him feel regulated. It was just this point of contact, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause for, well, for a long time I was Jack's person. You know, I feel like I still am his person, you know, Mm -hmm. his touchstone and um, which is such an honor and a beautiful, beautiful thing to be when, you know, your kid's 16. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, I mean, it definitely has morphed. And I think that, you know, we did OT for many, many, many years. Um, He also did other things like gymnastics that helped for a while when he was little. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, but the gym, I think, is more something he'll probably go back to. 
um, and he'll continue doing his, his walks and things like that. I, I love that he goes to the gym and works out. Cause I feel like that is such a sensory experience. Like you were saying, like it gives him that input or like running, like gives him, you know, that like helps to regulate, but it's such like an appropriate, you know, age appropriate thing for him too. So it's like, it's kind of like best of both worlds. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's definitely um, a great place to go to after, you, you know, you're, you're, you're too tall to go to the sensory gym anymore, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, Cause that was a thing. <laughs> Our OT was like, all right, I'm going to have to move this to be taller for him. And, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it was, it was good times. <laughs> I'm going to tell my husband that cause he loves to work out and I could totally see him like when Logan's like a teenager and them just like going to the gym together that being like the thing that they can do together. Yeah. I mean, what a great thing. And then he can meet his friends there too, as he gets older or meet people there, you know? Um, yeah, it's a great thing. That's awesome. Well, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but tell me about your book. Yeah. So, um, I wrote a book called a life suspended, a mother and son's story of autism, extinction births and living a resilient life. Um, I started writing it about a year after Jack's diagnosis, because what happened was, is that the more people I talked to, the more moms, um, you know, in waiting rooms, you know, that's where we all meet is in the waiting rooms when our kids are at appointments and, um, or on the playground. And so the more I spoke to other moms with kids that had similar diagnoses as Jack did, the more I realized how how similar our experiences were and that you know getting a diagnosis or dealing with um professionals or all of the things that you know that are that were challenging um i felt like i wanted to write our story because i wanted i wanted people to know that were that were in the trenches like that were didn't have a diagnosis yet with their child or we're in the process of getting a diagnosis or we're in the throes of, you know, dealing with going against a system and trying to get supports for their kiddo. I wanted a story for them to read, for them to feel connection, for them to feel like they weren't alone because I found that it was so isolating, Mm -hmm. just extremely isolating. And when everything was happening with Jack, because he was behavioral and he was, you know, clearing desks and running out of the school and swearing at principals and things like that, there were, the kids took notice and the parents took notice and people stopped playing with him mm-hmm. and mothers would kind of look at me at the, on the playground. And so there, and we had lived in this community for a long, long time and I had older children and I was a part of the fabric of the community, the school community, all of that. And all of a sudden overnight, I felt like I was, you know, just no one wanted to talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think it was just because they didn't really know what to say or they were afraid or they didn't want their kid to play with mine because, you know, he was unpredictable And so for me, I wanted, I wanted the story to come out to give that support to other families, to let them know that you're not alone. You're not alone and that there's hope and things do get better and you will, you will work your way through it. And I also wanted this book to come out because I wanted professionals that were in the classroom to be able to read this and maybe understand a mother's viewpoint from the other side for them to maybe look at this and see a kid who's seems to, you know, look typical, but he's behavioral. Um, it's not, maybe it's not a diagnosis of he needs mental health intervention. Maybe he has an underlying diagnosis and maybe that should be brought up at a meeting. So I wanted that to kind of be out there in the world that people could have that experience by me sharing that because there were many meetings we sat at in the beginning and there were professionals around the table that said, well, what kind of medication is he on? Or, you know, well, he is depressed, you know, 
Um, so they're kind of like pushing us towards, you know, it being a mental health issue when yes, he did have those things, but he also had autism and nobody said anything. Mm-hmm. Nobody around that table until everything started coming together and he got the diagnosis. Did they say, oh, oh, geez. Yeah, we did see some of that, mm-hmm. you know, or we were in the process of getting the diagnosis and then the behavior said, oh, yeah, you know, I, I have seen some some signs of that, which, you know, it, I just I I want people to just become a little bit more aware. That would be a great thing. You know, that would be a really great thing. You are speaking my language because I feel like every year when it gets to be April and, you know, we're all talking about autism awareness. And I feel like there's the last few years, especially a real push for, um, you know, acceptance. And just I did hear like autism action month or autism celebration month, but I like those too. But I'm always in the back like, no, we still need awareness <laughs> because like, yeah, it's still there. There's there's so much more than just like knowing the word autism exists. There's so much more to autism than, you know, this blanket of like autism awareness. There, There's so much more to be aware of. Absolutely. And I felt that, too. That was confusing for me this year. It was the first time I really heard that shift, uh, maybe because I wasn't paying attention, but. I, you know, or being around more people in, in the community of, of parents who have children with autism that, you know, they kept pushing like, no, 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 we want them to be accepted. And I'm like, yes, yes. And yes. yes. And all of that. Yeah. You know? I always say if the goal is acceptance, then we need more awareness to get to that point. Because it's like, I think just saying we need acceptance is, is fine, but it's like, there's so much more to that because if people don't understand you know, just some of these behaviors, like you said, like your son running out or like if they see a child having a meltdown or, you know, my son, like he is, uh, he's happy, but he's a screamer. So when I take him out places, like he's screaming, he's running around <laughs> and it's like, we get some, some side eyes and it's like, I just want people to understand, like, this is also a part of autism. You know what I mean? It's not just like the kid who wants to be alone, like in the corner, it's a kid who wants to be out there doing his thing, but he does not give an F what you think of what he's doing. Right, right. <laughs> oh, aren't they the teachers of us all, right? Oh my gosh. So, so true. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, we realize that, but we want other people to realize that. Absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, Nicole, I've had such a great time chatting with you today. Do you want to share where people can find your book and where they can connect with you? Absolutely. Um, you can find A Life Suspended on Amazon. Uh, you can also find it through Barnes & Noble. Um, I always say it's available where all good books are sold. So if you go to your local independent bookstore, they can order it for you. Um, and I'm also, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Nicole Hendrick uh, Donovan, uh, NHD Writes. Uh, dot com is my website and Instagram. Uh, it's NHD Writes. And that's pretty much where you can find me. Awesome. Well, I will link to all of that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I feel like we we really talked about a lot of things today that have like kind of come up before on the show, but we were able to go a little more in depth. And I think that's really important. Oh, I was so thrilled to be a guest. And um, I just love listening to your podcast. And I just like how relatable you are and how approachable you are. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. Oh, that means so much to me. Thank you, Nicole. (laughs) All right. Well, you take care. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Take care. Bye. Bye. For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT, and I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. (laughs) I love anything by Emily Giffen, like something borrowed or something blue, and those are available on Audible as well, but you can pick from any of their titles. So to download 
download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism, all one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay, well, I hope you all enjoyed listening to my conversation with Nicole. I just adore her. I think she is amazing. I I loved hearing all about her journey with her son. Like I said, it was definitely kind of unique. I feel like there was some interesting sort of twists and turns that haven't necessarily come up before in conversation on the podcast, although I have an episode coming up soon, uh, another interview with uh, a listener turned guest who is amazing and her journey really reminded me of Nicole's. Um, but like they're, they're a little earlier in the journey. Her kiddo is, is, is younger, but it's interesting. Cause it's like, again, I, I always say this as much as all of our journeys are so different and all these stories and episodes and you know, it's all so different. I just feel like there's always like pieces that you can relate to and things that you can kind of learn from in in every episode. So again, I just like sharing all kinds of stories. So if you have been listening and enjoying listening to other people's stories and would be open to sharing your own, please let me know, reach out to me. The best way to do that, I get a lot of inquiries for the show and the best way to, to inquire about being a guest is to send me an email. Um, like I was saying, it's hard for me to, I don't always see all my messages like on social media. Um, you can always send me one there, but the best way to do that, if you would like to be a guest is to send me an email to adventures in autism, 2018 at yahoo.com. And just tell me a little backstory, like what, you know, talk about your journey a little bit, what you'd like to talk about if you were a guest on the show, that's always kind of the best way to correspond, uh, especially about like being being a guest. I can get, get back to you more easily over email. Um, and like I've been saying, you know, summertime, I am not recording as much. We're a little bit busier just with our, our schedule. But I had a couple interviews this week. I still have, you know, interview episodes coming up and I'm excited about that. I had one the other day that was just so awesome. I can't wait for you guys to hear that one. And then there'll still be some of the kind of, solo episodes, a summer series sort of sprinkled in between. I still have some, some, um, topics that I want to get to for the summer series. So yeah, we're just having, having a good old time here this summer here at Adventures in Autism. Um, so that is all for today. If you are enjoying the show, like I said at the top, and you would be so kind to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, that would be wonderful. Always love hearing your your kind words, but if you also just want to, you know, tap that five star, that really helps too. <laughs> um, I would be so appreciative. But if you would like to contact me or follow me on social media, you can find me um, on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast on Instagram at Adventures Autism Pod, or like I was saying before, you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. Definitely follow Nicole, check out her book. I can't wait to read it myself. And that is all for now, but until next time, take care. Mm-hmm.